Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Robert Land. Welcome back to Locked On Texans Patriots Week since we last talked to you. And joining me is my buddy over at Fox Sports Channel 26. It's Danny Mata. Great to have you back with, with us, Danny. And boy, the Patriots, uh, this is the last team that you want to see if you're the Texans. Is there a formula? Is there any way? Is it at all possible that the Texans could figure out a way to beat this team? I mean, I guess it's uh, possible in the same way that it's possible that Meryl Streep becomes the president of the Donald Trump fan club. But <laughs> um, if you t- but th- that's about as likely as I see it. Uh, I mean, the short answer would be no. The, the long answer is if you look back at week three, and I know there's a long time ago and both teams have changed differently since then, but that's kind of my point. The Patriots beat them in week three, 27 to nothing. And that was with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, their third string quarterback. That means that the Texans are still at a considerable disadvantage. If they were to knock out both Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, they would still be at a considerable disadvantage uh, you know, against uh, the Patriots. And that game wasn't even competitive. And now you tack on the elements and you tack on the fact that Tom Brady is just playing like a man on the mission for my money. Uh, he's the MVP of the league. I, I know that there have been other guys like Matt Ryan has been sensational. Ezekiel Elliott, you were talking about him and Aaron Rodgers. But when you have a 28 to two touchdown interception radio uh, ratio and and you're just and you're just taking out all of your anger over the Deflategate situation on the rest of the league. It just to me, he's just on too much of a mission, and the Texans, I think, are they're overmatched anyway. And then you throw the just you throw in an extra motivated Tom Brady. I, I just I just don't see it. You don't think Brock would be better with some deflated footballs? Maybe that's an advantage for him. We don't know that yet. So I'm... maybe maybe not. <laughs> All I know is that when the when the footballs were in fact deflated, the Patriots didn't play as well as when the as when the football was was uh, adequately inflated. So, yeah, I mean, maybe the Texans should try some deflate gate. I, I somehow a part of me thinks that Tom Brady or, or that uh, Brock Osweiler will not get the same treatment that uh, Tom Brady got uh, when when he was uh, found guilty to have deflated footballs or at least in the NFL's mind found guilty. Um, but I, 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 I just think that the way that this this season has gone, Tom Brady and the Patriots are scoring at a clip that, you know, that uh, is very difficult to match. They've been just so efficient offensively. And then you take a Texans team that, you know, I've, I've said this to you all year. I said to you uh, earlier this year, it's a Texans team that has trouble scoring. And at the end of the day, you've got to be able to put points on the board. And Tom Brady is going to put points on the board against any defense. And the Texans are no different. And I don't see the Texans finding any way to match that. Have you seen a little bit less of Brock's flaws uh, in the last couple of weeks when he came back from his Tom Savage exile? You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I would say that um, some of the things that made us question 
whether or not he would be an elite level quarterback for the Texans were still are still on display. Like if you look at his completion percentages, um, still hasn't been, you know, outstanding. I mean, he, he was 21 of 40 against Tennessee. He was better against uh, New England. But there's but there's two things that he hasn't done in those two games, and that's turn the ball over. And when you're not turning the ball over, you know, and, and you and you have a defense playing as well as the Texans is, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance to stay in the game. Um, and, and so that's really been the important thing has been cutting down the mistakes. Beca- and But not just cutting down the mistakes – but that it's not basically all or nothing right now. Like we saw a lot of stuff going on where, uh, where if if Brock Osweiler, you know, wasn't putting together a scoring drive, then it was three and out. There was, you know, and, and we we had talked about that. Well, now they're at least flipping field position like they did against the Raiders. So he's putting together productive drives even when. Um, even when they're not putting points to the board and, and flipping field position, of course, is very important. So we've seen some of those things still not super accurate with the football, but he hasn't been turning the ball over. And that's the most important thing. Danny, one of the things I just love to see is take the reins off of Brock a little bit. Let's not go first down, run, first down, run, first down, run, first down, run, first down, run. If you're going to beat Bill Belichick and you're going to beat the new England Patriots, and, you know, just let's pretend, you know, you, you maybe there's a formula that you can beat them. Well, you can, we know what you how you can't beat them is by being predictable. Like this offense has been all season long. And I want to see I want to see uh, our guy O'Brien pull out the kitchen sink. Let's try. Hey, throw some reverses, fake some punts, uh, put Will Fuller back in kickoffs and punt returns and Lamar Miller, you know, use everything that you've got. Clowny. And merciless need to be out there on special teams. Go after the punter. Do whatever you can. Throw everything that you can at New England. Don't be passive. Don't just say, oh, we're going to go try to let our defense win the game. I mean, you you can't do it that way. Well, no, you can't because, again, no disrespect to the Texas defense. It's a sensational defense. But let's be clear that I talked about this with you earlier this this year as well, is that this isn't an all-time great defense this isn't last year's denver broncos or the seahawks in 2013 or the o2 bucks or the 2000 ravens or the 85 bears this isn't a defense like that this is a defense that is good but not historically good if you have a store if you have a historically great defense you can play it safe play the field position game but you don't have that they don't get a lot of takeaways okay that's some here against connor cook but let's be clear about who they're playing now uh, Tom Brady's a, a reasonable distance from Connor Cook. I think we can all agree uh, in terms of skill level. Uh, if you're the Texans, I think you have to look at it like this. You should be playing pressure-free football. I mean, what is the worst that can possibly happen to the Texans? You get blown out? That is exactly what everyone's expecting. Every, you know, Nobody nationally is going to give the Texans a chance. The Patriots opened up at 16-point favorites. And rightfully so. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And there's a lot of people that are still going to take the Patriots to cover that. And then some. If you're the Texans, I think that you – this is where you pull out all the stops. $72 million for a quarterback, this is really when, he can, when, when, when he's supposed to earn his money, right? I mean they brought him here to be better than what they had in Brian Hoyer. And in the first playoff game he was. So you're relying on your quarterback. I think you've got to take the reins off him. Throw the ball on first down, particularly throw the ball deep. 
take some shots, move that defense back. Even if you're not putting points on the board, you've got to give you have to show them something you haven't shown them before that we're going to be aggressive. We're going to make the plays you don't think we can make because really the Texans have nothing to lose. They're supposed to get blown out. So they should have no pressure on them whatsoever. And sometimes, not often, but sometimes that can ignite that can ignite teams a little bit because they know they're just going to play loose. All they got to do is go out there and play. All the pressure is on the Patriots. And I would hope that the coach's play calling reflects that. One of the things that really bothers me, Danny, and you watch these NFL coaches and you feel like sometimes there's nobody that's a bigger coward than the NFL head coaches because they're they're just afraid to try to do anything. It's it's play close to the vest, play not to lose. You know, we always seem to bring that up with the Texans. Oh, they're playing not to lose. They're playing not to lose. Instead of giving your team confidence and saying, hey, let's go out there and try to, try to win this game. Let's come out in the no huddle. Let's let's be aggressive. Let's, you know, if it's a quick three and out and the defense has got to be on the field a couple of times, you know, so be it. I mean, that's the chance that you got to take, but you're not giving your defense, your offense any kind of confidence if you just go out there and think, oh, we can, we're just going to have to run the football early on and, and try to, you know, take time off the clock and do all that stuff. And it, it's one of the things that's bugged me about the Texans. One of the nice things that I saw in the game Saturday night against the Raiders was that they actually did the bootleg when they were on the one yard line instead of running it up the middle for the Texans. That was like a that was a big huge deal. I mean, and Brock Osweiler, lo and behold, he scores it. You know, they they do the play action bootleg, and and I want to see more uh, play actions, and and that's when you can go deep. That's when Kubiak. You know, I was really critical of Kubiak for a lot of different things, but one of the things I loved about him. The play action was usually a thing that worked, and if nothing else, it made the defense think, and then that was your perfect opportunity to throw the ball down the field because if your offensive line was weak, you could get away with that. Especially when you figure, like, like that should be there, right? I mean, because the Patriots are going to dare the Texans to beat them over the top, right? I mean, you, I mean, you would think that they're going to stack the line against guys like Lamar Miller. They're going to play eight men in the box for the short passing game against guys like Ryan Griffin and CJ Fedorowicz, who the Texans, especially with Brock Osweiler playing, have targeted so much. You know, you, you would expect that the Patriots are going to try to limit that. So the, 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 the little play action bootlegs, those things are going to be there. And uh, and I would think that there, there's there's some a lot of encouraging signs that against, a, you know, a pretty athletic Raiders defense, certainly not a strong defense by any metric, but a pretty athletic Raiders defense. He was able to make a few plays with his feet. And as you mentioned, he had the touchdown down by the goal line. And those things are going to be available for them. And the other thing that's going to be available is you're going to have opportunities with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, one on one. And Brock Osweiler made a throw. You know, in that game against the Raiders on the sideline, that was just perfect. I mean, you know, he let that one go down the sideline and perfectly timed with Hopkins down that route, hit him on the hands. It was beautiful. It set up a touchdown. If, if we get that kind of a, uh, accuracy out of Brock Osweiler, you know, and I don't say we as a Texans fan, as you know, I'm not a Texans fan. I say, you know, if, if we as, as the viewers see something like that of Brock Osweiler, I think we would all have to have to think that the Texans are going to have some sort of a chance here because he's going to be able to get out in space and he's going to have one-on-one coverage. He's going to have opportunities to push the ball down the field because the Patriots don't expect them to attempt to do that. And quite frankly, they're going to allow the Texans to hit a few of those and dare them to do it consistently. So there's going to be, there's going to be places 
where plays are to be made. And the question is, if you're Bill O'Brien, are you so timid that you see the things that the defense is giving you as, you know, the, the way a, a fish is to see a worm on a hook, or are you going to get out there and just go after it? Because this is their opportunity. And again, with, with minimal pressure, you, you, I would hope that you would go out there and think, look, what's the worst that can happen? Because really, what, I mean, what is? Yeah, I'd love them to play like that. By the way, did you see the uh, Dan Shaughnessy uh, story, Patriots get to kick can known as Houston Texans? And yes, I did. And you know what? He, he called them uh, – he, he called the Texans a couple of uh, less uh, than stellar uh, names. And I think he called them a pack of frauds uh, four years ago. And the Patriots went in there and beat them 41-28 in a game that wasn't really competitive at all. Uh, so – Dan Shaughnessy was right the last time he talked about the Texans and the Patriots. And if you really read that, I mean, I'm sure Texans fans wouldn't like this, but if you're speaking objectively, would you disagree with anything Dan Shaughnessy said? Is there anything that you've seen from the Texans at any point this year that would make you say, oh, uh, well, he's wrong because he doesn't know that, you know, since that week three game, this has happened, this has happened, they're so much better. Look, they beat, they beat Connor Cook. They beat a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start, a fourth-round rookie quarterback. Now, this isn't Dak Prescott. This is Connor Cook, okay? And those guys that are rookie fourth-round guys are few and far between. Prescott's the exception, not the rule. So the Texans should have won that game and should have won it easily. So kudos to them for doing what they did. But let's be clear. That Raiders team without Derek Carr, is, is, is that, that team doesn't make the playoffs. Because the Raiders are assembled, and I'm not saying that they are as efficient because they're not, but they're assembled the same way the Indianapolis Colts were back when they had Peyton Manning. And the whole thing's built on a quarterback and a lot of perimeter weapons. And then on defense, you get a couple edge rushers. Instead of Freeney and Mathis, it's Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack. But that's pretty much what they have. And if you take Peyton Manning out of the equation, out of the equation you get a 2-14 and 14 team and Dan Orlovsky running out you know trying to you know, do his uh, his best to you know rectify when he was in Detroit as part of a winless team uh and this Raiders team would have won four or five games max without Derek Carr this year so let's be clear they beat a bad football team on their home field so there's nothing to me that says that, they, that everything has changed going into this Patriots game well OB at his press conference today said hey there this isn't the same team and I guess I guess the evidence of that is that hey this time the Texans beat a third round or a third uh, third string quarterback in the Raiders and they couldn't beat the third string quarterback with the Patriots rookie quarterback first round making his first start so hey uh, <laughs> you know I for- guess there's I, I guess there's some progress except the third string quarterback isn't the one that's going to be playing uh, on uh, on Saturday and the the coach and I, and I love Jack Del Rio. Uh, I've, I've always been a big Jack Del Rio fan because I thought that even when the Jaguars struggled, uh, he got the most out of that football team. But uh, he's no Bill Belichick. And, and, and these are the elements in Foxborough. And remember those really good Texans defenses that went to Foxborough in 2012 and got 83 combined points hung on them? I mean, just yeah. throwing that out there. I yeah. mean, that's, 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 that's what happens is that because – you know, ultimately, Tom Brady's going to dismantle, uh, you know, most defenses, and the and the Texans don't don't take the ball away a great deal. 
you know, they've been very good at getting uh, off the field on third downs, which is the primary reason why 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 uh, they've been as good as they have been because they just get off the field on third down. But but if you're not taking the ball away, that means you're not you're not producing the kind of pressure that's necessary to get turnovers. And if you're not pressuring Tom Brady, then he's going to pick you apart. And uh, again, uh, Jadavian Clowney has been great, but this and but the Texans you know, haven't been the best team at getting to the quarterback all year. They've been better in the last month or so, but they haven't faced a team as good as New England. So uh, it's, it's going to come down to that. And I guess we'll see. But, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, I would expect him to say that, yeah, this is, these two teams are way different. Like, yeah, you're right. The first time they didn't have Tom Brady. Now they do. So, yeah, the Patriots are way different. <laughs> yeah, the good news, they've got Tom Savage this week. Uh, he He's passed the protocol and he's going to be ready to go, not starting, of course, but, you know, if it turns into a disaster and Brock throws a couple of early interceptions, I, I, I don't know about you, Danny, but I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll wait a long time to pull the trigger on, on, a, on a quarterback change if that happens. Uh, you would think we had gotten to the keep calm and Brock on stage of the season, but I guess, uh, I guess you're, I guess you're right about that. And I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, if those same issues that got him benched against Jacksonville start to rear their ugly heads. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, with everything on the line, yeah, he's, he, he will be a little quicker to pull the trigger, but, but um, I think that, I, I think he's going to lean a lot on this, on this defense to try and keep him in the ball game. And remember, I mean, if, if I mean, one thing people don't talk about, the reason why Tom Savage sat on the bench as long as he did is for, for, for one, for, for really for two reasons that, he had the whole off season and the preseason and all these other opportunities, practices consistently to show the organization that he could be the guy. And he never really outshined Brock Osweiler. They played the Bengals and the offense was as miserable as ever. And if Randy Bullock, you know, makes a field goal, the Texans might not have even made the playoffs. Uh, so you can't say that Tom Savage was, was markedly better. I don't know that he was better at all. Uh, but and he can't stay healthy. We've known that for his whole career. So I think Brock's pretty much your best option. I, I thought I think he deserves to start this game, and you would hope that he builds on some momentum. He's put together a couple of really good games. Uh, you know, we'll get to Tennessee, okay, and the Raiders, not great teams considering both them were without their starting quarterbacks. But I mean, he's put together a couple of games here uh, that, that that have been good. So can he build on that? And this would be the best time to get hot. I mean, if not now, then when, right? I mean, this is what they paid him for. And he's, he's one to know against Brady too. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is one to know against Brady. And, and, <laughs> and look again, like why, but yeah, why, why, why wouldn't you just go out there and sling it? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean why wouldn't you? Because this, this is what he was paid for because let's, because let's be honest, you know, uh, you know, people, People are, are – I'm not saying that the same player, but look at the circumstances. Everyone had jumped off the Eli Manning bandwagon back in 2007, right? And he had like 23 touchdowns, 20 picks that year. The Giants were winning in spite of Eli Manning. And then he started playing mistake-free football in the playoffs, and the defense got going, and they won a Super Bowl against Tom Brady, of all people. And, and so the circumstances – the players are not the same, but the circumstances certainly are. If you're Brock Osweiler, don't turn the ball over. Try to build on it and get going in the playoffs. And quite frankly, this whole ugly regular season will all be forgiven if he can win this game because that because that's what you paid him to do, to win on the big at, at the most crucial times. 
you know, it, so this is it. This is opportunity. Yeah, and Brock, that game that he beat Brady in last year, wasn't that in cold and snow? And it that's was what... in the snow. It was in the snow. It was in the elements. Absolutely. And and you know, uh, again, he had the Denver defense behind him. But remember, Tom Brady played well in that game. Uh, so so it's not like the Denver defense was just all over Brady. I mean, of course, they they played well, but but Tom Brady played well too. If I'm not mistaken, I think that game was 26 to 20. So the, you know, 20 holding Brady to 20 points is pretty impressive. But he he made some plays himself. So Brock Brock made some plays. That's his credit. But uh, this is a different situation. But I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, so uh, this is it. This this will be. This is what they paid him to do. They paid him because they were in the playoffs. Brian Hoyer didn't do it. They knew come playoff time they had to have better quarterback play. And again, last week. They got they got that out of Brock Osweiler because even if Derek Carr plays Brock, that shouldn't affect Brock Osweiler on the other side of the football. He played well. And I don't think they would have beaten the Raiders, but he played well in that game. And he's got to go out there and play well again. And if he can do that and the Texans pull what for my money would be the greatest upset in NFL history, uh, then I think that I don't think anyone here is thinking that the Brock Osweiler signing is a bust. How can you? If Brock Osweiler gets the AFC Championship game, give me thirty seconds on Doug Marone. Should the Texans be worried about Jacksonville getting Doug Marone? You know what? When Doug Marone went to the Jaguars, my first reaction was, "Wow, uh, Gus Bradley and the Jags just hired Gus Bradley's replacement." Yeah, the moment that they got him, I kept thinking Doug Marone might be a better coach than Gus Bradley, and he probably is. You remember what he did in, in Buffalo that one year? They went nine and seven. Yeah, you know, with with Kyle Orton uh, out there at quarterback. I, I'm telling you, I think Doug Marone can coach. And, and the Bills screwed that whole situation up. And I think the Jaguars got themselves a steal. I think that, that was a great hire. I, I, I'm a Doug Marone guy. I, I love that hire. Where can people find your stuff, Danny, uh, the, on Twitter and uh, anything new going on over at uh, 26 this week? Oh, well, well, we'll have all kinds of stuff. Mark Berman will have uh, reports all week. Uh, the Texans and Patriots will be out there come Friday. And uh, I'll be on the web. I'll do some web commentary uh, for the Texans game uh, this week and later next week. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Danny Mata Jr. That's one T and uh, just Jr. for Jr. That sounds great, man. Always good to talk to you. Let me give me about 20 seconds and I'll wrap it up the locked on texans podcast it's uh, all texans all the time five days a week it's part of the locked on network a show for every nfl and nba team boy you want to follow some uh, some great action go check out locked on rockets with my friend ben dubose they're doing some amazing things over there at the toyota center we also have a new locked on nfl draft show with kyle Krabs and joe marino you can subscribe to us on itunes tune in stitcher or the locked on texans audio boom website and if you got something you want to talk to me about, just email me at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com or go to our Facebook or Twitter page. I'll be sure to get back in touch with you on all of that sort of stuff. And don't forget, in my Houston Sports Talk pod this week, it's the Chronicles' Jake Kaplan and Clutch fans' David Wiener talking about the Rockets, who are just rolling, as we said. Well, hey, thanks so much for making us a part of your week. It's playoff week, guys. Love it. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.